Welcome to Educate to Elevate, the Home Educators Hub, the podcast dedicated to helping you unlock the full potential of home education. Welcome back to Educate to Elevate. We're so glad to be here today, starting a new discussion. We finished on the four, t- four pillars of learning. Carmen, and now we want to move on, but at the same time, I think it's this conversation that we've been having about why uh, we felt the need to start Home Educator Institute. And one of those reasons is because we're both educators and continuously observing what's going on in the education world. I love to find out what's going on around the world, what are the tendencies and the trends, and what are what is the research saying about methodologies, especially around deep learning and creating an environment where children develop the love of learning? Um, because we've been talking about a new generation of students, right? This is the 21st century. We're already almost a quarter in to this century, and we have a brand new generation of kitties that need different things um, than what the last generation needed. I think I shared in a podcast before that right at the turn of the century, I was a principal of an elementary school, and we were an ultra-traditional school. Everything was scripted. I had a binder that I would give every new hire, and I would, my motto was, you do not deviate what's with from here from this you know uh book that i'm giving you you follow the rules you do exactly what the book says and i'll be happy as your principal right and we were teaching little ones to read from 4 year olds um and we had been very successful until about 2003 about 2003-2004, I started noticing a huge shift. It wasn't subtle. It was like from one school year to the other, we started having children with gastritis, headaches. They didn't want to come to school. That had never happened to us before because we were ultra traditional, but we were a lot of fun at the same time. We had a lot of extracurricular activities the kids did, and it was a well-rounded program, and it was a very respected private school. But we started noticing kids were absent. They didn't want to come. They would start crying in the middle of the day. Just really weird things reaction from our students. So I started observing and talking to the teachers and asking for their feedback and input, like what's going on in your classroom? How are you seeing your kiddos? And they're lethargic. They don't want to finish their times tables. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. And I just, after a few, I think two school years, I think two full school years, I was convinced that we needed a huge change that something had to give, something had to change, that we were not offering our students what they needed. And so I went on a quest to find out what is out there, what can we do, how can we fix this? And of course, 
looking in different places around the world. What is UNESCO saying? What is the research saying? What are people in Australia doing? Singapore, uh, Finland, that were the top school systems in the world. And how do you contextualize that? Because it's great to say like, oh, Finland has the best school system in the world, but Finland is a country that could not compare in absolutely anything to Mexico, which was where I was at the time. So how do you adopt some of these principles into the cultural context where you're working? And I think that these are decisions that every administrator and school district has to worry about when they make decisions around curriculum, about methodologies that they're going to adopt around um, what training they're going to give their teachers, because it's not the same to work in, you know, a high-end suburb of, let's say, Dallas, where most of the children are going to be white, right, than to work, I'm talking about Texas because that's where I live, but when I visit schools, El Paso schools look absolutely nothing like Frisco schools, right? The population is different. The languages that you hear are all over the place. Um, we have schools here in a little town called Cedar Park here in Texas, close to where I live. Most students are Indian because we have a high-tech community here and we have a lot of Indian families. And so how is that going to... So it, figuring out a education system is very complex. It took me three years to take the leap to transform my school and give it a 180-degree pivot into a more constructivist approach, um, where we were focusing on 21st century skills and we were focusing on being able to get our kids ready for a very, very uncertain future. Um, but the last 10 years, that has grown by leaps and bounds, where now you have absolutely zero certainty. The other day I read, there's no way to be able to say when my preschooler, the preschooler that's starting in 2024, graduates from high school, he, what are going to be the choices of professional careers available to that child? impossible to say because of all the incredible changes, wonderful changes that we're living, um, not only in technology, but in the social structure of the cities where, we're, where our kids are growing up now, and the needs for more technical jobs, for an approach where maybe vocational schools are going to start growing a lot more than professional colleges or community colleges where you can get a two-year degree and then go and take a whole bunch of certifications. There's just so many um, things that have to be considered. So when you're a, a mom of a preschooler, a kindergartner, an elementary school child today, you have to make some incredible decisions for your child's education. And there's a lot of options out there. But the reality is teaching continues to be um, 
a career that is not valued like it should be. And you and I went to teachers. We have teach, teaching certificates, and we know the grinding that it takes and the hours that it takes to be able to build the knowledge and skills necessary to handle a classroom. And even then, your first five years of teaching are like, oh, my yeah, God. I'm just thinking, <laughs> it does not take hours. It takes years. years. It takes yes. years of experience and practice. Absolutely. The practice is the best. I love when you talk about your mentorship of new teachers and having student teachers in your classroom. I, I, I think that both you and I have been wanting to have this conversation around how important it is to understand as a parent no matter what, if you're deciding to put your child into a formal school setting, you need to grow an understanding on what that teacher has gone through to be in that position mm -hmm. so that they can serve your children well and that your children are getting what they need for their education. And if you choose to homeschool, if you choose to remove your child from a formal school setting, what are the skills that you're going to have to develop so that you can give your child what they need for the future? And I think it's a, a, an interesting place to be, right, as a parent. But we want to make sure that everybody here at Educate to Elevate and at the Home Educator Institute um, steps into this space with an open heart, an open mind, but also with a strong sense of appreciation for what a teacher does and what she spent and invested in preparing herself to do it well or himself as well. But mm -hmm. um, most teachers are women, but there's a lot of really good men teachers out there too. So I wanted to talk a, a little bit about this, Carmen, because your experience has been in the public school system, and you have a lot more knowledge around uh, that system. I was in the private school system mm -hmm. most of my career. And today we're stepping into this new space of the home educator. And we've said before that for us, home educator is anyone that's bringing up children, right? That it doesn't matter if you don't choose to homeschool, you're still a home educator because you have to be an active participant in your child's education journey. If not, he's gonna, the child's going to be missing quite a bit um, because your input, your active participation, your, um, the structure that you bring to that process of their lives is pivotal for a good result. So either, either way, it doesn't matter what you choose for your child, you're a home educator, so you're welcome here at the table. And also for all of our teachers out there that want to join this conversation and be a part of advocating for, for themselves as teachers and saying, hey, you know, we have what it takes to do this job. And that's so important to acknowledge. But also we named 
our venture, the Home Educator Institute, because we believe that the more a parent that chooses to homeschool trains, that the better the outcome of their homeschool is going to be. And so for us, that's, that's the pivotal. That's why we wanted to start the Institute, because we want to create spaces of training that will give you the skills and the necessary knowledge to do your home educator education well, because it does require skills and knowledge. You don't just get up from bed one day and become a great teacher. That just, that doesn't happen. You can do a workbook with somebody and you know, finish up pages and make make sure that the additions that they're writing on the workbook are great. But there's so much more to education than filling up a workbook. And so we want to be a part of that journey for any parents that choose to provide training, to provide experience, to provide true life stories that can help you develop as a good teacher. Because, Carmen, I, I would really like to hear what you have to say about this. But before I give you the microphone, I've just been paying very close attention to the homeschool influencers that I follow on our social media platforms. And there's quite a bit because now we're into this. So I, I try to listen as much as I can to all the homeschool moms that are out there, you know regular moms that are choosing to homeschool their kids that are working in their suburban homes and that they're probably working from home and doing the homeschool thing at the same time. But a lot of these influencers, I'm going to say more than 80%, if not more, have education background. And so we're attracted to what they say because they speak from their experience as teachers and the way they apply this experience and skills to their homeschooling looks very much like a structured school setting mm -hmm. because they're bringing those skill sets, they're bringing that knowledge to their home. But most of them used to be teachers or administrators. And so you know that they have the training and they have the experience. And so being able to develop a homeschooling program that serves their children comes a lot easier to them because of that. And I wanted to share that because I think that's important because many, many parents that are facing this decision today do not have an education background and don't have that preparation, that knowledge, those skill sets, that experience that they can transfer into their home as easily. Hmm. You've said so many different things that really pique my interest and uh, get my thoughts racing. I want to go back to the beginning when you were sharing about this big change, this huge shift you noticed mm -hmm. about in about 2003. So it's interesting that it's about 20 years later. Yes. And you had the opportunity to decide I'm going to make a change because it was your school. It was a private school. And so you could do that. Mm -hmm. um, I think when we talk about changes and big shifts in public schools, 
it's interesting that it seems to me that the rest of the world sort of goes racing ahead. Mm. But the structure of public schools, it has a really hard time getting with the times and changing. And that's for a lot of different reasons that have have so much to do with the political machines Mm. in the various countries because public schools are funded through the government. And so it it just all gets messed up and wrapped up in politics. And I don't want to go there. Um, (laughs) just, I just don't like talking about all those political details. It, it kind of gets me down to be honest, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I'm not afraid of it. I'm just saying that's a different podcast. Rather not. (laughs) Yeah. I'd rather not do that at this time, but you were talking about these big changes and these big shifts and, I just thought, wow, it's really interesting how no matter how much things change, there's some things that never change. And sometimes that's for the good, like the four Mm. pillars of learning and the basic tenets of wisdom and core values. It's good for those things when they're positive and healthy not to change. And those those core values and tenets and wisdom not changing are a great anchor in turbulent times. Mm. But there's some things that are not changing that just kind of boggle my mind. So you also mentioned that most women are teachers and that is truth. I've, mm-hmm. you, you know, I love my education researchers. So yes. here, here's some little stats for you. of teachers are female. Yeah. I just want to stop there and think in terms of traditional public schools. Mm. Okay. There's not really that many public schools out there that are Mm non-traditional. You know, let's just accept that fact. Yes. As as much as they're going to be using language like innovation and 21st century learning, The structures are super traditional. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the fact that 76% of teachers are female. And I'm going to say this as a socio-cultural statement, not as a political statement. (laughs) Disclosure, disclosure. Disclaimer. (laughs) Yeah. Uh. That is why the profession of teaching is not respected and valued Mm -hmm. in our culture because it's something women can do. So I thought it would be interesting just to see how much things haven't changed. Here's some Mm -hmm. rules. Here's some authentic, legitimate, verifiable rules for female teachers from the 1800s. You may not be married or or if you are, when you're pregnant, you have to quit. Hmm. You must act demure and ladylike if you're a female teacher. You may not be in any leadership positions. You will have a lower salary than a male teacher would have. This is from the 1800s, mind you. Okay. Um, You were not allowed to teach certain subjects that were deemed too intellectual or that your female brain wouldn't understand. I don't know what those subjects are, but you know, (laughs) whatever, bring it. (laughs) Right. Um, You will be under more supervision 
than your male counterparts, and you would be expected to do cooking and cleaning, whereas your male colleagues would not be in the 1800s. Mm. And I'm kind of wondering, wow, have (laughs) things really changed? Kind of Mm. thinking, no, they haven't really changed. Mm. Male, I mean... Male teachers are more likely to be given leadership roles as if we view, you know, administrative roles and things like that. Still, Mm -hmm. I don't have the stats on that, but I'm going to go find them because I really don't think a lot has changed. Yeah. Um, Things are not easy for teachers who are trying to have work-life balance and trying to take a pregnancy leave. I mean, for Pete's sake, I've been called several times and asked for, asked questions about my sub plans when I've literally had 104 fever and in my bed and I can't move, Mm. you know? So I think that sadly, that's one of the things that hasn't changed is this, as a culture, our lack of respect and value for what teachers contribute. Mm -hmm. So let's fast forward to to present day. We started off with 76% of teachers are still female. Mm -hmm. 20% of teachers working today carry a second job so that they can make ends meet. The average salary of teachers in the U.S., and mind you, this is averaging the highest salary and the most expensive state that spends the most money on their education versus states who have almost nothing to spend on education. The average salary is $61,000, not average starting salary, average salary. Mm -hmm. So across the board, across the board, which is incredible Mm -hmm. when you think that there are several major cities where if you make $120,000 a year, you are officially considered rent poor because almost 50% of your salary will go to paying your rent. Mm -hmm. Um, Contrast that with the fact that 80% of teachers working today have a master's degree or higher. Mm -hmm. And going back to my favorite nerd of all nerds, John Hattie, Teachers are the number one factor. They have the greatest impact on student achievement over any other factor, but not just a teacher, not just putting a body in a room. Mm. It's teachers who have effective practice. And effective practice is developed over mm-hmm. years and over time. Um I forgot a little one that most, that the average teacher works 10 hours and 40 minutes a day yes. for that salary. Uh, yeah. So it's, I think, you know, here at the end of 2023, the beginning of 2024, it's obvious that we're at, a, we're at another time of a huge shift. Hmm. Things are changing and moving, whether we like it or not. And part of, the work that we're doing here at Home Educator Institute and Educate to Elevate is to create a collaborative space where formally trained practitioners in education and mm. parents can come together 
around common core values and really do something new and different. Yes. Because another thing that teachers have to offer is this thing called the liberal arts education. And, and more, even more important than that is that we learn how to learn and we mm -hmm. become experts in learning. And that's what all our children are going to need to know how to do to carry themselves on through the future. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So let us not be dismissive of what teachers bring to the table and their mm -hmm. value. And let us not diminish the value of our children and their education. I think that's pivotal. Carmen, and that's one of the reasons why Home Educator Institute is here, because I, I want my grandchildren to have the best education they can have. And that might mean that as parents and grandparents, we're going to have to get in there in the trenches with the teacher, mm -hmm. right? She only has so much time to spend with a child in a classroom where there's another 20. So figuring out what your child's strengths are, figuring out what really triggers their interest and sparks their love of learning and gets them into loving reading. Parent, that's going to be your responsibility. It is because that's going to have to happen at home. That's why it's so important for us for everyone to understand that for us, every parent is a home educator mm -hmm. because children need that kind of guidance and input. And again, it's trial and error. I mean, I had, I had a daughter that knew exactly what she wanted, where she wanted in and where she wanted to end up from the time she was nine, right? She knew where she was going. She had her goals and today she's doing what she wanted to do, you know? But I had a couple others that were like, can I try this now? And can I try that now? And I can, and we had to work around those structures and figure out how mm -hmm. we were going to allow them to explore all that they needed to explore to be able to get to where they are today. My 31-year-old went to five colleges before she finally decided to take control of her own education and get her degrees in what is now something that really creates passion in her life. But it, it took a lot of twists and turns to get there. And your children need your guidance. They need your empathy. They need you to make sure that you know them and that you're paying attention and that you're measuring, you know, what things are just whims and what things are truly something that we need to explore this. We need to explore this a little more. Let's figure it out. Um, so definitely, this is a space where we want to be able to provide those skills and that knowledge on how you can do that better. How can you navigate that better? from our teaching experience and also from our parenting experiences. Uh, as educator mamas, mm -hmm. also, even uh, all of our children went to formal schooling. Your two and my six, they all went to formal schooling. But our youngest 
had severe ADHD. And the, the traditional school system was just not working for him. It was just, it wasn't. I mean, we had been told from the psychologists and the therapists that we should be happy that he finished middle school and that we should just kind of, you know, travel along and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Well, we were not okay with that. He needed a high school education. If you don't have a high school education, you don't get a job now. Not even flipping burgers. Mm -hmm. And we're like, well, this child eventually will have to be independent, will have to be able to support himself and a family, hopefully. And we got to figure this out together. So we did a hybrid system for him where he would go take some of his classes at school that were more oriented to his socialization and some classes he just took at home. And uh, he finished high school. And he's 23 years old today, and he's about to buy his own home in a few weeks. So, you know, you just have to kind of sit it out and figure out what's the best thing for your child. But you're the only one that knows for sure. And then you have to listen to the professionals. You have to listen to those that have the knowledge. But at the end of the day, as a parent, we follow our gut quite a bit. Don't we, Carmen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, as you were talking about the different approaches and, you know, your 31-year-old who went to five different colleges, I think it's even though the times are racing ahead and, and change can be very uncomfortable and scary, one of the great things about the time we're living in is that there are so many options. And mm-hmm. even I think here at Home Educator Institute and Educate to Elevate, it's a good example of being sort of at the forefront of forging mm-hmm. a path sort of through and into those options and maybe even creating some new options. But in order to decide how to work within those options and what's best for your child, you really have to have a deep understanding of what they are, Mm -hmm. um, what all of those options have to offer, and what's the best case scenario for your kiddo. And just getting back to a teacher's perspective and teachers and parents working together, the ideal, the most joyous times I've had in my classroom are collaborating with parents and we're all on the same page. An Mm -hmm. example of that would be um, when I tried a new thing I called wacky Wednesday because I just had a wacky schedule on Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. I had all my specials, then my PE, my Mm. music, and it just created this weird day. And it was a Uh minimum day, the day was just over lickety split. And I thought, you Mm -hmm. know what, I'm just gonna go with it. And on Wednesday mornings, I'm going to gamify all of my review of instruction. And I'm going to invite parents into this and heavily recruit them. And I had some grandparents join me too. Oh, that's awesome. And I trained them how to run these games. So they could just be an expert in those games. Yeah. And it was one of the most fantastic, fabulous, effective times I've ever had. My kids did grew and learned so much. I could see the effects of that. And so mm-hmm. it, the point I really want to make or 
I'm going to take that back. It's not a point I want to make. I think it, the dream I have, the vision I have yes. for Home Educator Institute and Educate to Elevate is a collaborative community with partnerships like that mm. between parents and educators, because I do believe it's not an either or situation. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that that deciding to homeschool your child as a reaction against whatever you think is wrong with public education, that's not necessarily the best thing for your child. I'm not saying the best thing is for them to be there. I'm just saying isolation is not the best option. Yeah. Right. And especially if you really don't understand how to teach effectively just isolating your child and going through workbooks or putting them online is not the best option. And you mm-hmm. have other options. You can enter into collaborative relationships with charter schools or, or home educators who are redefining career pathways. I mean, mm-hmm. formal educators, certified mm-hmm. teachers who are, char- who are creating new career pathways for yeah. themselves. And I'm so mm-hmm. excited soon, we're going to be chatting with one of those teachers who's, yes. you know, pioneering a new pathway for herself uh, very successfully. Yes, absolutely. There are so many options out there. And we've said, you know, what's the point of removing your child from a crashing traditional system and putting them into a traditional system in your home? There's no point in that. You still have to figure out how to incorporate the teaching of these very important skills that your child is going to need for whatever career is chosen, and especially collaboration, teamwork, leadership skills, communication skills, that when they are in isolation or only having conversations with you as an adult and Mm -hmm. not peer learning, it's something that's going to be missing. And that is very much needed. And so there are so many new things that are popping up as a result of paying attention to those needs. And I met a couple of homeschool co-ops that are doing amazing work on incorporating and establishing these times for true collaboration and learning around a topic and not just getting together for playtime right? There's a difference. And so I'm excited for the future of education. I, I'm in love with education. It's my life. It's been my life for the last 40 years. And so I'm excited to see what new things are happening with so many teachers le- leaving the public school system and the formal school system, but having still a passion for mm-hmm. teaching and creating change and sewing into children's lives. It's just going to be exciting to see what these teachers bring to the table in innovation of the way instruction can be offered for a family. And that's going to be fun to see. And how can we all work together so we can make it for those, uh, those new approaches to be accessible to families that are not excessively expensive so that, again, only Mm -hmm. certain families can take advantage of it, which is going to be very interesting to see 
Um, we're working on a project currently that we believe is going to be very exciting around project-based learning and offering it to children that are being homeschooled. And I'm excited about that, but I think there's so many other teachers that have such great ideas. So I'm, I'm really happy that we get to have this conversation soon with some of these teachers that are just, they're giving their best like they always have from day one, because uh, I think the number one characteristic of a teacher is that we value children and we value the child's future. And I think as a community, as a nation, we, we need to make sure that we are, that we are giving children what they need, that we're valuing them, that we're appreciating what children bring to the world. And that's always going to be the core, basic core value of a teacher. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I'll, again, I just want to reiterate, we need to value our teachers mm. and and what they bring to the table because if if you're starting a journey and you feel that you have the courage to dive into home education and learn all of the skills and all the things you know what thank a teacher Absolutely. because if you know how to learn thank a teacher yes and we say you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and we hope that you join in on the conversation actively. Join our Facebook group so that we can start hearing from you. Follow us on Instagram and we're so happy that you're here and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining the conversation. Please comment, like, and share if you're as passionate as us when it comes to elevating and educating children and youth. Want to reach us? Connect on social at Home Educator Institute.